Hey there, and welcome to Speak Easy with Kendra Fisher. Join me each week as my guests and I take a deep dive into all of the conversations we've been taught are better left unsaid. No more silence, no more hiding. This is a safe space where anything goes. Today, I'm talking with Libby Ward, also known as Diary of an Honest Mum. Join us while we talk about everything from mental health to mum guilt, negative self-talk, expectations, priorities, and of course, being a mum in the upcoming holiday season. How are you today, Libby? That depends. I'm good. I'm oh. good. Oh, I you like the pause though. Where it's like somewhat, you know, tell me, tell me something about yourself. And you're like, do you want to know my favorite color or do you want my trauma? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but so, like, given that you kind of know me a little bit, we're going to dive right into the fact that you know, like, I'm not looking for face value here. Like right. when I ask how you are, I really want to know. I'm going to tell you how I am. Okay. I'm feeling mixed feelings. Okay. Why? I wrote a journal. I don't know why I decided I could do that, but I launched it today and I'm feeling like vul- like a vulnerability hangover. That's okay. So we're I'm doing therapy today. Yeah. I'm feeling like a it. vulnerability hangover of like this voice being like, who are you to do such things with your life? Um, but then the other side being like, yay, so exciting. So I'm feeling a mixed feelings today. How are you, Kendra? You know what? I'm so wishing right now that I could do something other than draw a stick, man. So I could draw in the people that were just on both of your shoulders. Like I visualized it. I feel like yeah. there's an opportunity here for me that I'm missing out on. Right. Other, otherwise, how am I? I am, I'm good, but I am tired, tired in a fulfilled way. I'm, I'm in the midst of a speaking tour right now. That is, um, I, I planned my schedule last week and I should never be allowed to plan my schedule because I'm horrible at it. So I, I did that. You remember when we were talking about what date we could do this together and, um, it, it was actually, it was humorous because we did this back and forth and I was like, okay, well, I'm trying to only do podcasts on Tuesdays and Wednesdays to which you said, I'm trying not to do podcasts except for only on Thursdays. Yeah. And then I think it was like you were doing one a week and you already had one booked and yeah, yeah. We, and, we, yeah. we contemplated like crushing your boundaries and or yours. Or mine. The other. It was like, whose boundaries do we crush? And I was like, this stuff usually goes through my assistant. And you were like, this stuff usually goes through my people. But then we were like, no, let's just schedule it. And guess what? I shouldn't be in charge of my schedule because I didn't even put this into my calendar. When you met <laughs> this morning, I was like, what? Did we <laughs> did we put a date in? Because I shouldn't be in charge of myself. I, I love it. I shouldn't. I need to have people telling me what to do at all points of the day because otherwise I get lost. And, and yet, and yet here you are as the voice of moms everywhere. The woman who should not be allowed to take care of herself <laughs> is right. releasing a journal on parenthood and taking care of others. Tell me about it. What it, I, you got to tell me now you, you oh. like, you've mentioned it and now I want vulnerable oh. and excitement. I want it all. I mean, it's the honest mom journal kind of named after me based on like, just be honest, just be honest. If you have slept like crap for months, like why are you having such high expectations on yourself? So it's a guided journal, basically the honest mom journal, the struggling mom's guide to struggling less. So I'm not into like, five steps to making your life perfect. I'm into like, let's try and not be as much of a disaster tomorrow as we were today. And so it's kind of just a guided journal to like prompt your brain into not being so mean to yourself and giving yourself a little bit more grace and prioritizing your time. And honestly, you don't even have to be a mom to use it. I just happen to be a mom with a lot of moms who listen to me, but it could literally be for anyone setting realistic expectations and not being so mean to themselves. So I get the autographed copy, right? For sure. Okay. Like I'm, I'm just making sure, like I'm going to, since you're on here with me right now, if I make you verbalize it out loud in front of other people, then accountability, right? I like it. Just prepare. I write like a four-year-old. Like I was taught handwriting, like I was taught, but I moved schools every year and nobody followed up with me. So I, I, nobody ever told me you should write properly. So I write like a child. So if you get a copy and you're like, I think one of Libby's kids actually wrote her name. It wasn't them. It was it was me. you. So just like, do you, is there a, the children's writing? Is yeah. there a heart over the eye? 
Um, they're when you say that, I feel like there should be a heart over, like you dot your eyes with, I love I it. I don't, but there is a heart sometimes at the end. Okay. Heart at the end of the name. I'm excited and for this. No two signatures look the same. I feel like if I ever get actually famous, it'll be a problem because <laughs> people have a signature that they're known by. And every time I write my name, I'm like, that doesn't look the same as last time. Maybe my signature will be not having a signature signature. I, I feel like you're giving famous people too much credit because I also feel like half the time they don't sign it. So there are like numerous people on their staff who know how to do a scribble that somewhat replicates it. So pick whomever it is working for you that has the best handwriting and that becomes your new signature, which is only a problem for you when it's time to do banking, which most of it's online now anyway. So it doesn't matter. That blows my mind. And I don't know why I'm so surprised because oh. like ghost writers who write for people, there's people who can do all the things to pretend to be other people. So why hadn't it occurred to me that people could sign? There are stamps. There are stamps. You can get a stamp of your signature. And I'm not going to tell you how I know that. I'm not <laughs> going to suggest whether or not either of my parents ever had a stamp <laughs> of their signature. And I would definitely never have used it if they did. So of course, that would no, be wrong. That would be bad. It and bad. You would never do anything bad. No. Or unbecoming. No. No. Or that, no. But I mean, hypothetically speaking, in theory, it could be beneficial for somebody with the four-year-old's handwriting. That's, that's actually that's really helpful. Maybe I could have someone craft a signature for me. That's um, perfect. You have a lot of really good nuggets. I feel like I told you we were going to do therapy today. I'm here for you. I think. What is the name of your podcast? Because it could be Kendra's Nuggets. It's. <laughs> <laughs> I just went straight to that story I just heard about the woman who gave birth to her baby in the McDonald's. And <laughs> def definitely the baby's new oh, nickname. And this is our little nugget. You got it. You got to find the clip of it. It's amazing. Nuggets. It's amazing. Now, the, pod the podcast is Speakeasy with Kendra Fisher because I love all of the layers of irony with my having my own speakeasy and my 23 years of sobriety and, and I, the fact that, you know what, there's no secrets here. So let's just, I let's like just that. put it all out there. Yeah. That's, I like doing that. It's more interesting than being surface level. Way better. Way better. Everybody else is saying that you're like, eh, that's, it's a waste of my time to be surface level. Honestly, I'm like, I only have so much time and energy. So if I'm going to spend it speaking to other humans or being around other humans, I want it to be authentic. Like either, well, I want to be alone or I want to talk about real stuff. <laughs> and I feel like you would suck at it. I feel like you would suck at surface level. Cause I mean, in fairness, you know, I follow you on Instagram and, um, yeah, like you, you would fail miserably at like, I can't imagine you without all of the, everything, all of yeah. the, everything, the depths. I like, so how did, how did you get into this? I got to ask, how did you get into this? How did I get into it? You, it was an accident, honestly. Accidents I, are good. So I worked in education for 10 years um, as an educational assistant with children with special needs. And I loved it. And about a week before the pandemic happened, I was working in a grade seven classroom and the kids were doing these weird like hand gestures. Yeah. Like this dance thing, but they all knew it. And I was like, I've never seen that. What, it, what is this? And they were like, oh, it's a TikTok dance. And I was like, what's TikTok? And they were like, well, it's a, it's like social media where there's dances and stuff. And I was like, you shouldn't be on there. That's dangerous. You guys, <laughs> the internet's dangerous. There's bad people. They watch things. They do bad. Just don't go on the internet. It's bad. Um, or some version of that. Here, here is your chisel and mallet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't go on the internet. So anyway, the pandemic happened and then the schools got shut down and I had all of two days at home before I was like, what is this flipping TikTok anyway? So I downloaded it and became immediately obsessed because they figure out what you're actually interested in, not what your friends are doing, not what you're used to seeing on Instagram, not anything else. They figure out a way to see how long you watch videos and like, Clearly you're laughing if you keep whatever the algorithm figured me out very fast and <laughs> became very addictive. And I loved how deep people went like, people wait, what was it? Stop for one second. The algorithm figured out fast what you like to watch. What were you watching? Funny stuff. Just like, I don't know. What's I your guilty pleasure? A mixture between like laughter, making fun of parenthood and our kids and also like deep trauma 
mental health. I have problems. I feel like I'm the only one with problems. Okay. Like okay. It's a total mixture. And it makes Absolutely. Sense. when you go through stuff, you usually become kind of funny and like funny stuff because it's coping. Right. So yeah. there's a real mixture between like, I'm laughing and crying and all the feelings. And I loved it because I've always wanted to like go deep and talk about real stuff, but I felt like I was surrounded by people who just wanted surface level. So I fell in love with TikTok and realized okay. it wasn't just dancing teenagers, not my algorithm anyway. Um, <laughs> and so I bravely, I was only like two weeks after I joined, I was like, I'm going to make a video. I guess everyone can do this. And so I did. And I went viral like in my first week or two. And then I just kept making videos and rode the high of going viral without any concept of what would happen, yeah. um, or what a platform was. Uh, so anyway, my platform grew and a few months later, somebody called me an influencer and I literally Googled, what is an influencer? Like what, <laughs> what have I done? Never heard of it. Like I was just <laughs> making videos about like parenthood and being a disaster and generational trauma. And so, yeah, that's how I started on TikTok. Then I moved over to Instagram and the rest is kind of history for yeah. making videos, people saying, Hey, no one said that before and me being like, well, I say it stay, um, today, how it goes. So it's something I want to touch on because I love it. And because you, you started this whole thing with, okay, I got to touch on two things. So uh-huh. I'm going to touch on this first and I have to, because it's, it's, it's killing me because you're all about like embracing the, like, I'm doing my best here I'm doing. And that's that a great thing. Does it at all do anything to you that the picture on the wall behind you is crooked? And I only ask because like my OCD, like I'm trying to reach through your screen with my mind. Okay. This is good for me. No, no, no. This is good for me. Let's do like, let's, let's, let's. Oh yeah. 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 I love it. This is like a challenge. This is, this is exposure therapy for me. You're that's my husband. It's interesting (laughs) that you say that. So I'm first of all, I'm very sorry. If it gets too much. Don't be sorry at all. I love it. I I absolutely love it. Or I could close the door as well. That's kind of bothering me that the closet door is. (laughs) You mention it. Um, it doesn't bother me. Things like I love this it. bother my husband. And then it bothers him that it doesn't bother me. Oh no, it doesn't bother me. That doesn't bother you. It just, it intrigues me. It intrigues me. The things that we latch on to that are like, oh yeah, exposure therapy is the best. So yeah. now going back to the stuff that actually matters, cause that's just my own little quirks there. Um, you said your initial response to kids, rightfully so don't go on the internet, big, scary place horrible yeah. stuff. And then you said that you got on TikTok and you started riding the high of going viral. Mm. And at any part, did that become a negative for you? At any point, did that kind of cycle of chasing that next viral video? Because I think we do see that from a mental health perspective, especially yeah. you're in such a unique world being an influencer and being yeah. somebody who is being sought after and many people would want to emulate that. What are your thoughts on that? Like, did it ever become something that was like, okay, this is not good for me? Absolutely. And where, uh, where did you go with that? It was probably my second viral video. Yeah. So when you go viral, it literally is a roller coaster of like, oh, it's taking off. Oh, that's so cool. Oh, it's helping people. Oh, it's re- reaching the right people. And then you get to the peak and then that's when it starts hitting not your target audience as well. Okay. So once you hit the peak, then all the people who your content is not meant for start commenting horrendous things about you okay. that they okay. don't know really about you. Yeah. And then the ride down is just as hard yeah. as the goodness of the ride up. Okay. And so I actually don't like going viral now. Okay. I just to reach my target audience and reach my followers and maybe a few more. It got to a point where I then would... So then there's the viral ones, but then any videos you post after a viral video, you have this thought of like, well, if it's not going viral, everyone hates me. It's like this like yeah. negative, like, oh, I'm not good enough. Yeah. People don't like it. It's not doing like, so then there's that negative. And so yeah. then you're looking for the next viral hit. And so that was me probably for four or five months. Okay. And I, and I love TikTok and I love the authenticity of it. And I, I loved reaching people and all that stuff, but the negative started to become too much. Yep. So I had joined in March and in September I said, that's it. I'm leaving. I'm leaving TikTok. I'm never coming back. I think I had a yep. hundred followers and I deleted my account and I left. 
And at okay. that time I was called diary of a weird mom. Cause I'm a weirdo. And so I left <laughs> the talk and I was like, I'm never going back. I'm not doing it. It's destroying my life. And that lasted about three weeks. And <laughs> <laughs> um, a very long time. But yeah. in that time, I really had to get honest about why I was on the platform, okay. what my purpose was, where my value and my worth were, and how I was going to set boundaries in my time and my life and my mentality around how I let my content and how it performed affect my ability to function mm-hmm. or be well in my mm-hmm. brain. So I went back onto TikTok. I changed my name to Diary of an Honest Mom. And my content shifted a little bit. I did less funny content. I still do funny content, but it was more funny before that. And I started to make content more with a purpose and also without this chasing viral videos and then feeling awful about myself afterwards. And that's not to say I beat it now. Like there still is like, there's so many emotions that come with being a content creator. And especially as your platform grows, what people think or don't think or say, or don't say or respond to, or don't respond to. Yeah. It's not easy, but I really had to take that time away to be like, why am I doing this? What is the point of having a platform? What is the point of using my voice? Why did I share that vulnerable story? Was it for attention and sympathy or was it to connect with people and help them to better themselves or help them know they're not alone and take the next step in their mental health journey. Is it about me or is it about what I'm trying to do in the world? And so now when I make content, whether it's vulnerable or funny or whatever it is, I have to go through this checklist of, you know, every time you post something vulnerable, it's a risk factor and do the risks outweigh the benefits or do the benefits outweigh the risks? And am I okay with anything negative that comes with it? And if I'm not, I don't post it. Yeah. Yeah, and the absolutely. Same happens when there's like hard topics, like different political topics, different things happening in the world. There's a lot of pressure where people say, oh, well, if you're not saying anything, then you're obviously standing with the oppressor or, yeah. you know, pressure to have a statement on absolutely everything. And then no matter what you say, people disagree with it. And that's exhausting. But I apply the same logic to it. I think, what is the purpose of me pointing? Or mm-hmm. posting. Am I mm-hmm. posting so that I can join the droves of people saying the same thing and I can be seen as being in a line with what is the right thing to say? Or am I posting because this is what I stand for and I want to spread the word on this? And subsequently, do I have the capacity to take the negativity that comes with whatever I do? Yeah. So sometimes knowing that it's going to come no matter what. Absolutely. And so sometimes there's political things that happen that I'm extremely passionate about that I want to post about, but my mental health at that point is so fragile and I am so fragile that I know that even if I absolutely stand behind what I'm saying, I will break if I post it and get any negativity. So I can't post unless I check in with myself and say, are you going to be okay? Yeah. Whatever comes back from this. And if not, then it's not worth posting it no matter what anyone says, because there's only one of me and I can only take care of myself. Yeah. And I think that that's huge. And I mean, that's exactly why I wanted to come back to that, because I think that there's so many, uh, especially youth um, that are, you know, very much drawn to the idea of content creation and Mm. the expression and freedom it gives them and the creativity it allows them. But I think that there's also that. people trying to attain status as opposed to having a true purpose for doing it. And I think there's this danger that exists there where when your purpose and your goal is to attain status, essentially you are seeking other people's judgment. And when you're seeking other people's judgment every single day of the week, you are going to be let down regardless of how wonderful you are. Absolutely. And you have to know who you are You have to absolutely know who you are and what your message is. Absolutely. You think about anyone who becomes famous in in, in any capacity, whether we're talking about Justin Bieber or the Kardashians or Adele or, you know, famous anybody. When you're going after status alone, when the negativity comes, it destroys you. Yeah. But when you are putting yourself out there with a purpose, whether it's, you know, creative freedom or spreading a message or having something to say, and you know who you are, it doesn't affect you. It doesn't affect you in the same way. Absolutely. And I don't know. I just think of so many different celebrities through the years where it's almost like 
fame is something they have to deal with, not something that they're seeking. Oh, absolutely. I I think anybody who, yeah. Yeah. Like anybody point where I'm not, you know, I'm not famous, but I get recognized most times when I leave the house and it is something that I emotionally have to deal with that I have to prepare my family for that. I have to bear the weight of permanently that, you know, I am now a public figure and, you know, my kids are going to read about me and all these different things. And there's a lot of pressure Mm -hmm. that comes with that. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when people say, Oh, you, you know, you're so famous, you're so lucky and all this stuff. It's not that I'm not grateful, but it's actually something I have to deal with. It's something mm-hmm. that is difficult to navigate um, having a platform like that. So it's really easy to want something like that, but there's a lot of drawbacks that come with it. And so I encourage anyone who comes to me asking for advice on how to grow a platform to really look at why they're doing it. Why yeah. are you sharing what you're sharing? Why do yeah. you want more views? Do you want more views to be more popular or do you want more views to help more people? Yeah. Yeah. And I think exactly what you're saying. I mean, I think ultimately it becomes a byproduct, right? It's a symptom of, it's not a matter of you went out there seeking fame and you happened to land on the content that, that created that opportunity for you. It was that you had a purpose and a passion and that was what you initialized everything with. And then as you got to a place where your messaging and your value in your statement and your purpose became more widely known, the byproduct is you are more widely known. And I think it's exactly what you see now. You see entertainers, you see the Justin Biebers and the Sean Mendez, and you see the athletes, you see the Simone Biles, you see the, you know, uh, athletes who are at the prime of their, their abilities and, and artists who are at the prime of their ability, but at the, at the risk of their craft, they're actually now in a position where the byproducts and symptoms of it have become too much. Um, and, and I think that's awesome. And I, I want to move past that in terms of, you know, content creation and more into your purpose and more into, because I think that's huge. I think it's huge because people need to understand that side of this. I think that there's a responsibility for people with a platform such as yourself to share that one, everything isn't always just this like one great viral ride and the highs and it comes with, you know, a responsibility or an expectation, whether it be external or internal, but you know, it sounds like you were able to step away from that and understand your own value and your own purpose and come back at it through a clearer lens. That would probably be more positive for you. Um, now when you went into this, you kind of got into the fact that you were able to kind of understand your goal was to help other people. And you were really interested in reaching your target audience. Um, and I know that you're not necessarily the the list maker, but you know what are your top uh, messages? What are the things that you really hope other people understand from what it is your experiences are and what you're sharing? I know one of the common themes that I see in a lot of what you post is about, you know, we refer to it as mom guilt. We'll call it parenting guilt, just because I think that there's, you know, a, a population of people there that also embrace the, I am the stay at home parent and it might not necessarily be mom. So, you know, what, what are your kind of common themes, I guess? My common, my goal all in all is to validate, encourage and empower women for the most part, it's sometimes men. And honestly, it's more women than it is moms. You know, I have a lot of people who follow me who aren't moms. They just happen to be women who struggle with a lot of the same things that I struggle with, whether it's guilt, comparison, mental health, um, you know, setting ourselves unrealistic expectations, perfectionism, people pleasing, not having boundaries, you know, living our lives based on what we think other people want us to do versus mm-hmm. what we actually want to do, valuing other people's physical, emotional, you know, relational needs more than we, you know, value our own. And so I really want to validate women's struggles and let them know they're not the only ones. I it still blows my mind to this day how many people will message me and say, you're the first person who's you know validated that this is a real thing. I thought I was the only one. Yeah. So I want to let people know they're not alone, but not just leave them there. I want to yeah. encourage them and then also empower them to make changes, to actually yeah. set up boundaries, to yeah. say no, to say, 
that doesn't work for me to say I'm not interested. Um, I have struggled myself a lot in different, you know, in a codependent relationship with a parent, uh, in friendships, giving in to what I thought they wanted me to be as a mother, feeling like I needed to look a certain way or act a certain way to be like others. And I've been on this journey of, you know, being obsessed with self-help books where, where I <laughs> finally, you know, Brene Brown, if, if anyone's listening who hasn't read Brene Brown, read all of her books. <laughs> realizing that perfectionism isn't the way that there isn't one way to belong, you know, that we all belong and that we like, I have one life and I don't want to spend it doing what I think everybody else wants me to do because either way, someone's going to be disappointed. So why not make myself happy at the same time as disappointing people? Cause they're going to be disappointed either way. Yeah. So, you know, people might say, oh, well, your message is self-care. Your message is, you know, mom empowerment. But at the end of the day, I want women to absolutely value who they are, to know they're worthy and to do something about that and not let the world walk all over them and to prioritize their time and energy and amazingness that they are. And so what are some of the ways that you encourage that? So I, I, and I agree wholeheartedly because I think that those like are very, common issues amongst women and it's it's unfortunate and it's sad and i i i can imagine the shock and and i can only imagine some of the messages you get in terms of uh that validation that people get from seeing your messaging and get from seeing your your videos and i mean you say that you don't use humor as much i i i i want to like pull up the archives because i mean arguably you uh i i laugh I mean, so I hope that's the intention. (laughs) I do it on purpose. Yeah. I do it on purpose. You can't just talk about hard things all the time. It gets too heavy. So I like to, I agree. I like to mix humor in with it to really like break up the tension of talking about hard things and actually open the door to talking about it instead of shoving it in the closet, using humor as a coping mechanism where you actually don't deal with the hard things. I'm guilty of that all the time and hard things at the same time. I I, I get it. I get it in concept. And it's funny because I mean, I've been dealing with psychologists and mental health now for more than half my life. And it's, uh, it still amazes me every once in a while, how you hit those like walls where you're like, Oh crap. Like I, I have effectively managed to dodge this piece. Um, for over yeah. 20 years now of therapy. And, and I mean, I'm proud of myself for manipulating my, my situations in a way that have allowed me to do it. But then it's like, I'm also somebody who, as soon as if I, I finally identify it, I'm like, oh, well, crap, now I got to do this. So right. how do you encourage that? How do you, you know, women come to you and it's these barriers and there's, there's a lot. I mean, you just listed a lot of things that women struggle with, whether it be equity, whether it be guilt, whether it be, expectations and judgment. Um, how, what's that next step? Like, how do you encourage women to really learn how to empower themselves? Well, I talk about worth a lot, which sounds very like hoity toity, whimsical, not a real thing, but I don't believe anyone's going to practically do anything in their life unless they genuinely believe they're worth it. I can't tell you to set a boundary and tell your partner if They've been at work all day and you've been Mm -hmm. with the kids for 10 hours straight and Mm -hmm. you're ready to pull your brains out. I can't tell you to take a break and voice your needs to your partner that they are now in charge because you're not going to do it if you don't think that what you do is valuable or that your need for rest is invaluable or that what you provide for your family is invaluable. So I really try to work on that worth piece of like, you actually deserve rest and you deserve autonomy and you deserve things that bring you joy and you deserve to have hobbies. And so the whole idea is if you believe that, then you're actually going to do those practical things like setting boundaries, like saying, I'm going to get a hobby. I'm actually going to leave the house and go do yoga or I'm going to go for a walk or I'm going to do these things. And they sound like such small acts, but I am amazed at the number of women who tell me that they don't remember the last time they left the house without their children. I am unbelievable at the number of women who cannot go to bed without a perfectly clean house to the point that, and maybe you're one of these people looking at the frame. I don't know, but 
to the oh, point. Oh no, that's where, not a cleanliness thing for me. That's right, just like right, a compulsive right. thing. <laughs> like, they literally are running themselves ragged and they cannot see a way through to not feel absolutely exhausted every single day. So I encourage, you know, leave the house messy, invite mm-hmm. people over to your messy house. People who say, I don't remember the last time I had a friend, you know, mm-hmm. I don't have time for friends or yeah. I can't have them over because my house is imperfect or because my children aren't perfect or because of X, Y, Z and they're desperate for friendship and connection. Yeah. But they cannot get past their perfectionism in order to make those friends. Yeah. Um, and so you know, I really encourage people to lower their standards, lower your standards on the things that aren't that important right now. You know, if See, you're of I, parenthood where everything's chaos, let go of some things because by holding on to them, you think you're, you think by being in more control, you're going to have more peace. But the more you hold on to trying to control absolutely everything, the more it steals your peace. Yep. So I'm going to, I'm going to play devil's advocate here and I'm going to step in it so hard and I'm going to yeah. step in it so hard because I'll be honest, my introduction to who you were came from my wife and my wife is the stay at home parent in our house. So I'm on the other side. I'm on the other side of that messaging of, I know, and this is funny, right? Because there's, there's a, there's a certain aspect of this where it's like right away you, you deferred to, is it a cleanly, maybe I'm like that or but I'm the other person, like I'm, I'm the, I'm the enemy in this conversation because I'm the one who, you know, you posted the other day, something about, you know, telling your partners to, to not expect you to do all the shopping for them and everything else. And I'm laughing because I'm like, but, but what do you mean? Like, what do you mean you're not going to do all the shopping because (laughs) you're better at it than I am? Um, And it's funny because I get stuck in these conversations because from a, female perspective mm. i understand the inequities i understand the the self uh judgment and the judgment from the outside and i understand all those concepts and all those pieces as a woman would but i don't necessarily have the same viewpoint when it comes to things like okay i've been home with the kids for 10 days or sorry for 10 hours straight and you're coming home after working all day And you just want to hand them off and you just want to hand them to me and be like, I need time. And the argument back is, but so do I. And so do I need to Mm. find that. And where's the, where does that conflicting boundary leave you? And it's, I mean, there's no, there's no failure on my behalf to recognize, you know, the worth of what my wife does. There's none whatsoever. Like when she goes out for the day and takes a day for herself, which is rare, but we do make sure it happens. But let's say she goes out, takes a day for herself. By the time she gets back, I'm like, that was like working a year in, in 10 days, leaving me alone with the boys. <laughs> like, like you need to take them back because they're not better off with me. Um, but so how do you do that? How do you navigate that conversation? How does she come to me in a way that is good for her to set that boundary and mm-hmm. How do I, as somebody who maybe doesn't fully appreciate it because I see your content and I hear your message and I value it and I don't, it's not like I don't trust it when my wife says it, but how do we find ways to support women in that space and give them the empowerment as a partner to be able to verbalize to me, look, I need to do this and I need this from you. And how do I then... Like, where's that? There's got to be so much gray area here. There's so, there is so much and it's so nuanced. And honestly, one of the struggles with short form video is you can't go into the nuance. That's yeah. why I love podcasts yeah. because you can pull it apart and look at all the different pieces. It's not just a matter of, you know, the partner who works outside of the home is the worst. And the one who stays home is the best. And the one who works outside the home doesn't understand it. Like it's not. And it's so commonly how it comes out though. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Because it's so hard yeah. to make content short form that covers all the nuance, which is why I write captions that are five times too long and spend an hour trying to shorten them because I'm trying to <laughs> share those pieces. So to answer your question, it you have to have a foundation of mutual respect. Yeah. 
And the thing is with you and your partner, it sounds like you have that mutual respect. You value, you value what she does. And maybe you don't understand it fully, but you value Oh, I couldn't. I couldn't. Yeah. And you're open to hearing about it and you're open to talking about it. And there are a lot of women in partnerships where the patriarchy is so strong yeah. that they and their partners genuinely value the income earning or the out of the house partners time and work more than the one who's at home. And when that imbalance happens, mm-hmm. they're, you know, I'm going to say husbands because it is generally the men that I'm hearing in my DMs coming home to their partners saying, your job is easy. Why do you need a break? Your whole life is a break, things like this. And so they genuinely don't value what they're doing. So you need to actually have that genuine respect for one another. And then the ideal situation is you have an open conversation beforehand. So it's not just a matter of you're coming in the door and she's like, I got to go. It's where you're having that conversation saying, how are we going to share the load at home so that you get time for rest and autonomy? And I get time for rest and autonomy. And when you have a plan, maybe the absolute worst time for you to give her a break is the moment you walk in the door. Maybe that is when you need to go and be absolutely silent. Maybe that's the best time because you haven't seen the kids all day and you haven't been hearing noise all day. And you're like, let's do it now. And then later tonight is my time to. So it's about actually communicating about it ahead of time so that you actually have a plan because there's nothing worse than not knowing if you're going to get a break. It's like, okay, Mm -hmm. you just Mm -hmm. went home to dinner. I don't know if I'm going to get a break. Knowing a break is coming is going to help me be more relaxed. Not knowing what's going to happen makes me feel like I need to just keep going and it's overwhelming. Yeah. Have you read or heard of the book, Fair Play Life? (laughs) So I'm going to be, I'll be honest with you. So I'm like the, uh, I'm the one who gets those short form video clips forwarded to me in my like DMs by my <laughs> wife where it's like, see, look like, so I'm probably, there's probably been more than once that you've showed up in my, like, I got forwarded this or tagged in the story and I see you come up and I'm like, I, I'm going to, I'm going to scream if I open this, like, I'm going to be so angry <laughs> or like those parenting ones where it's like how to be psychologically respectful of your child and this and that and this and that. And, and I think that, and I, I don't know. So this, this could be a completely ignorant comment, but I do feel as though, and you must know this by now that your content and similar content creators are used as a conversation piece Mm -hmm. or conversation starter Mm -hmm. for people in similar situations to start those with their partners. And as a partner who then receives those, I'm not very, like, it doesn't necessarily always catch me at the best time. Like I'll get it. And I'm like, and you know, it's, it's to me, it's relative, obviously how your day is going, how your partner's day is going. Um, I'll give you an example. Both the boys are sick right now. Um, my, I also was just, I just spent a week in BC on a speaking tour. So my wife's at her, at her limit right now. Um, I'm also at my limit because doing a speaking tour in BC for a week, there was no, my schedule wasn't, I wasn't sightseeing. There was no visiting spectacular places in BC. It was, I had five engagements in three days. I flew out, I flew back. Like, so I'm, also gassed. Yeah. And so today the conversation was had and she said, you know, I, can I go to the one of a kind show? Like, can I call a friend and go to the one of a kind show? Uh, instead of us all going as a family, can I just go with my friend to tonight or tomorrow night? And I, I thought about it and you're bang on, on the whole, like plan it for the best possible time. And my, my request back was, do you think you could do that tomorrow night instead of tonight? Because I'm right. not quite back to a place where I'm prepared to deal with two sick boys without you because you're way better at it. Like I, and in fairness, my boys, when they're sick, they're going to ask for her hundred percent. They're going to ask for her. If they the most of the time, exactly. The wants of their, their needs a hundred percent. And, and I mean, we have a, we, our youngest is diabetic. So there is an extra load of chronic health need. Um, 
But I mean, I don't feel like I fail in saying that. I don't feel like I fail in being like, not tonight, but tomorrow night, absolutely. But then there's so many times on the flip side where you get the short form version of whatever it is you're communicating to your followers and then that gets used as a conversation piece. And I'm angry. Like, I'm like, no, 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 no. I don't care what the diary of an honest mom has to say today because she didn't have my day. She doesn't know that I just spent all day doing, I mean, in my other life also as a firefighter, I'm coming off shift. I, yeah. I might not be ready for you to just hand me my kids, but it's not because I don't value you and what you're doing. Yeah. How do so how does how do people overcome that? I feel like that's got to be the hugest. Read like, the books, Kendra. They read the books. Read the I books. can't. I you don't have. You. Okay. Can you so give me the like cold notes? I don't have time. I don't have time. Most of my content is cold notes from it. To be honest with you. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. The books. I don't have time to read them. Like I literally, people think I'm just a stay at home mom making videos. Like I. Yeah. Like. I'm, like like so many, I don't have, so I listen to books when I'm walking, driving, whatever. Anyway, I like it. He wrote a book on fair play life, which is all about the division of labor in the home okay. and valuing one another's time. So it's not about money earning. It's not about, it's about like, we all have the exact same amount of time. Your time is valuable. My time is valuable. I need rest. You need rest. I need autonomy, blah, yeah. blah, blah, things. So she breaks down these different concepts and then she actually gives you tools for how to split things fairly, depending on your situation. Okay. So you can get these cards, literally they're cards that list out everything it takes to run a home. Like every, okay. every single like booking appointments, booking or you know, taking kids to hockey, buying school clothes, meal planning, laundry, yeah. all the things. And so you get these cards and you essentially split them up as to like, who's doing it right now. And then okay. you have this conversation around what is a fair way, because it's not supposed to be 50, you know, depending yeah. on your work scenario, it's not going to be 50, 50. It's yeah. going to be what's the fairest way to split them so that we both get rest time so that we yeah. have both autonomy yeah. and then you split them. And then you are in charge of your card from conception to execution. So let's say you are in charge of laundry. You have to be the one to keep track of when the laundry needs to be done, yep. what goes it in the dryer or not in the dryer. You know, if we need clothes for this or that, like you're in charge of all the things. So no one's reminding you to do it. You are in charge of like the conception of like, okay, we're going to do it today to like finishing it out. And so then you split the card. So it's not a matter of like one partner has the list of everything that needs to be done. And then that partner just delegates whenever yeah. they're feeling overwhelmed. It's like, no, yeah. you hold these cards. I hold these cards. Then we do them. And then we continually reassess. Does this feel fair? Okay. So that you're both getting that time alone. And Where's I this from? Who's the author? Pardon? Who's this Eve from? Rod Eve Rodsky. Okay. Eve Rodsky, Fair Play Life. It's amazing. So it's like a book, but then you can also buy the cards as well. So it's like a physical. Do I have to read the book to use the cards? I don't think that you do, honestly. And there will be a cold notes version. I'm, f I'm fully just messaging you. I'm just going to be like, yeah. so... Honestly, like the people who say like it has absolutely changed their marriages and changed their partnerships. And it's really respectful too. Yeah. Um, in terms of like, it's not just bashing men or it's not just bashing the partner who works outside the home. It's very yeah. much saying, let's do this fairly so that our marriage lasts. So our partnership yeah. lasts so that our kids get the best version of us so that we yeah. both time. And I, you know, the content I make, of course, is directed at one type of audience. And typically, you know, for people in, you know, heterosexual relationships, when you look at the statistics, men are generally better at having hobbies and not feeling guilty about them. You know, they're better at, you know, saying, I'm going to do this thing and not feeling bad about it. They just do it. And it's not that they should feel bad. It's that women have been, a lot of women have been socialized to feel like they should be in service to others all the time. And when a lot of their role is in service to others, they already feel this layer of guilt of, I should always be in service. So I, I shouldn't be taking this break. Mm -hmm. So when they're not empowered to go and take a break or to have a life, then it's not even worth it for them to do it because they feel too bad about it. So it, it's so interesting talking to you because, well, you know, there's cis relationships, which yeah. have a certain dynamic. Yeah. And then there's, you know, so it's funny. Partners, so there's all the different layers, right? And you have an openness to learning about it. But there's a lot of male partners who maybe 
might not. And I'm sure when I go out in public, there are probably husbands who see me and it's like, like they probably so mad when they see oh, my- there's there's wives that do too. Like there's no there's no line. Like I remember when I found out who was going to that conference that we met at and and, you know, my wife was was like so excited you were going to be there and so excited that Sarah Landry was going to be there. The birds papaya. And I just remember like I'm, I at first I, I'll be honest. I mean, I, I I didn't know. I didn't know. And then she kind of like pointed out who you guys were. And I remember when I approached you, I'm like, if I don't get a picture, my wife's going to be mad at me. Um, and, and I, I, I begrudgingly value your content because I know it's the things that I need to be reminded of. And I know it's the things that we very quickly become defensive of because your request for time and space and rest and hobbies sometimes feels like a direct attack on me. And, but I think that the complexity of, of, uh, you know, potentially the situation, and I'm just psychoanalyzing what I don't, you know, necessarily have the right to psychoanalyze, but I'll try. Um, is the fact that because I am also a woman, I think I also carry a lot of that, uh, innate expectation to be available to others. And, you know, Mm. so, you know, I go to BC and I'm sitting there and I'm panicked and, and in fairness, my wife is like, you should go out the night before, like you're, you're killing yourself here. You should go. And I'm like, I want to minimize the number of nights that I leave you alone with the kids because I feel horrible about doing it. Right. But then I end up becoming like a complete yard sale by the time I'm back, because now I've been up for like 22 hour days trying to minimize the time I'm away. And in reality, I have done nobody a service because I've come back completely useless to everybody anyway. Absolutely. So by taking care of your needs and taking care of like, what is my actual capacity by doing that? It's actually in better service to your family because then you come back a little bit more whole Maybe not yeah, but that would like require telling a, her she's right. And who hangover, like oh. I engagement a few weeks ago and I got home and I was like, I think I'm dying. Like, yeah, I felt like someone took a vacuum and like sucked yeah. all of the energy, yeah. all, like, all of it out. And so, yeah, it's like this thing of you feel this pressure to like do everything to make everyone else happy. But when we do that, so it sucks it takes our life and energy away and we end up not being the best version of ourselves anyway. Yeah. So by prioritizing the thing that's going to be better for you, which is maybe taking an extra day yeah, actually in service, but it doesn't feel like it in your brain. I'm not going to tell her she's right. I'm not like I refuse. That's not coming out of this. Of you you can tell her if you want, but I'm not going to tell her. I'll make a video and then you can <laughs> <laughs> on the tour. Um, <laughs> but I it's- that. I've actually had um part like men specifically message me and be like, thanks for making this video. My wife sent it to me and we had a conversation about it. I'm sure for every man who does that, there's about a thousand of them who curse every time they see my face. hundred percent. The ones that are like open to being like, okay, I I will listen, even if I feel- don't like you, but you might not be wrong. Right. I, right. Right. Like it's like you know, the, I, I mean, I had sent videos. I don't send a lot to my husband because I know that they can make him defensive. And I think that's just happens when we get sent videos. It's like, why can't you just say this? But the reason we can't just say it is not everyone can articulate how they're feeling. Oh, not it, everyone it, can articulate the complex feelings that come with all these different scenarios. And so it's easier to send a video to be and like, and I'm no saint either. Like there's no part, there's no part of me that's going to lie and be like, had you come to me and said this to me directly, instead of speaking through somebody else's content, there's no part of me that necessarily would have been any more receptive to it. Right. And And in, in fairness, I mean, you might be better protecting yourself by sending it, knowing I'm not going to get it when you're right there. (laughs) And and I get it. Like, I, I understand it. I do understand it. It doesn't mean I like it, but I think it's, I think there's so much value to kind of stripping this back from the other Mm -hmm. side, Mm -hmm. because I know that I'm guilty of some of the things that, that you advocate for 
women and moms to take back and own. And at the same time, I'm also, you know, I, 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 I'm capable of having the discussion from both sides. I can understand and I can validate what it is you're saying, but there are pieces of it that when it's said, it needs to be expanded on because when you get that short form version, it's like, are you kidding me right now? Like, you- While also keeping in mind that as a content creator, my content is not going to do as well, meaning I'm not going to reach as many for me. <laughs> I'm not going to help as many people. Yeah. I if I strip out all if I go into all you of play it, both sides. Videos yeah. Come wrong because people's yeah. attention span is so short. Yeah. I need to keep it entertaining and valuable yeah. and interesting and make them feel an emotion. Yeah. Or the content doesn't do well. Oh, so I feel emotions. It, the content doesn't do well. So it's really interesting. And this is why I started liking Instagram more than TikTok. Yeah. Because on on TikTok, I would make a viral video that, you know, women typically would be like, yeah, I would imagine yeah. that's what they're saying when they watch it. Like what she said, relatable, <laughs> send, share, alt, tag, all the things. It would go viral. And then all these like hate comments would come in because the captions were 50 characters long and I couldn't provide context yeah. or, yeah. or advice. That's or- fair really go deep and so it'd go viral and then people just think it was like a man hater or like a stay at home, an angry stay-at-home mom feminist like I just yeah well like wouldn't get it and then I loved Instagram because I could make the like eye-catching video that's shareable and then in the caption be like okay hold up let's like actually yeah. talk about yeah. this but not everyone reads captions so maybe my advice to you is next time my video next time your wife sends you my video <laughs> read the caption open up the caption and be like oh <laughs> And then decide on my response. Read Eve Rodsky's Fair Playbook for the 14th time this week. Maybe, maybe it's worth it. Oh, now I'm going to have to dig into this. And I'm like, I, it's, I wish I could say she's not going to listen to this. Cause I mean, I know, I, you know, it, it gets boring, right? As a partner, when you have a partner who is creating content, who works as a speaker, I mean, she's heard my story and she's heard me say it a billion times already. So I can usually get away with the fact that I know she won't listen to it, but I know she's going to listen to this one. Oh, so for so a message, like, I'm kind of like digging my own right challenge here. Right. Um, right. But at the same time, and I appreciate it, I appreciate it. And it's funny because I think, and I, and I I'll speak in my house. I think the holiday season for moms and don't get me wrong. I'm a mom, but I, <laughs> my, as my wife opens the door right now, you are not allowed to listen to this podcast. Um, I, uh, I think that for moms and, and I get it, I'm a mom, but the mom I'm speaking to is the stay at home. mom. I think this time of year is brutal. Like, I just think it's brutal. Like, I think I see the stress level in my wife, the second the holiday season start Mm -hmm. and that list of like, I have to make everybody happy and I have to make it perfect. And it has to be all of these things. And I think my ability to be like, or not like, or we could just chill and hang out and it could be none of those things. So why first off why how what do we do for our partners for our you know for those people who the second this season starts it's just that and how do we support that how do we alleviate part of that as the other person right uh again starts with an initial conversation not waiting till everything's melting down what's all this and communication just, stuff you preach okay, i don't i don't think it's easy valuable to the family <laughs> Like we have decided we love cutting down a Christmas tree. Okay. That's something we really like to do. Yeah. And we have decided between us, you like it. I like it. We're going to do it. And so even if it's stressful, even if it costs money, whatever, we like it. It's important to us. And then you, and then you plant a Christmas tree after you cut it down. Okay. Okay. Exactly. I'm just checking. We just donate money. We just buy 10 tree t-shirts. We do. Okay. It's we do all of the tree planting to make up. Okay. Exactly. Good. Good. We recycle anyway. So you decide what's actually important to you, Kendra, what's important to your partner. And there will be things where she's like, we absolutely need to have Turkey on Christmas. And you're like, it doesn't matter. We could just flipping have like, we could just order Chinese food. And And she might be like, 
here's this really long story about why it's so important to me. And then you're going to come to a compromise and be like, okay, we'll do the turkey, but what else can give? Yeah. You actually have to like take something off the list and listen to why things are important to each other. Because last year, this is going to go really deep and you're going to be like, wow, my dad. I love it already. Oh shit. I don't love. She loves it. So my dad died last year. I'm so sorry. I can joke about it. That's how I deal. Um, it was like the catalyst for me being like, why the flip do I do X, Y, and Z? Yeah. Why do I allow this person into my life? Why do I go to events where I am absolutely drained after being around that person simply because they are this label in my life? Yeah. And it was a catalyst for me being like, no, we're not doing that anymore. No, I'm not going to be the person who hosts Christmas dinner for every single person in our life. I don't want to do it. Yeah. And it, my dad dying forced me to look at like why I was doing certain things over the holidays and what actually mattered to me. Mm-hmm. And my part, like my husband and I being like, why are we doing this thing? And so we took off a bunch of things that actually don't really matter and things that had been stealing my peace for years, but that I did just because I felt like I should do them. Yeah. Yeah. So then you both have to agree what is valuable, what do you actually want to do? And then the things you don't want to do, support each other in. So yeah. if one of the things you don't want to do is be around Uncle Jeremy, who makes you want to stab your eyeballs with a fork. <laughs> when one of you is like, I'm going to say no, the other partner has to be supportive in withholding those boundaries or supportive in sending that message. So if mom or whoever it is, is the one making all the plans, it is emotionally draining and exhausting to be the one saying, no, we can't do that. Yes, we can do that. This is what little Johnny wants. This is what Susie wants. I'm going to tell you for the 45th time, like take the burden off of setting boundaries and communicating things. So it's not just one person. So it's bad for me in that moment to be like, well, she said we can't go see uncle. Okay. Got it. Got it. Don't Don't do that. And okay. she wants to stab your eyeballs out with a fork. I because feel quite confidently that that might all, be an urge on occasion anyway. So right. you already are feeling like, oh, I don't want to do this, uh, whatever. And then when like the person you love the most is being like, well, you could do it. It's not that much. Then you're like, <laughs> oh, are we doing, are we, do, is exactly right now? Yeah. Yeah. So like last year I decided I don't want to cook a turkey dinner on Christmas day. I like cooking turkey. I like Christmas day. I don't like them together because it makes me a basket case. Cause I can't enjoy Christmas morning. For sure. That's fair. Dinner. Yeah. And I decided that I'm not doing that anymore. And I'm yeah. going to, I'm just not going to do that. But I had to actually look at it and talk to my husband about like, why are we doing what we're doing? Yeah. And then I also, if there's things where I'm like, Oh, we have to do this. And he's like, Oh, it doesn't really matter. I need to make a good enough case for like, even though this thing stresses me out, this is why it's important to do it. Yeah. And if I can make a good case for like, we have to buy this number of stocking stuffers and we have to do this tradition and we have to make this gingerbread house. If I don't have a good case for it, then it goes off the list yeah. because there's no point in me being a basket case and you supporting and me being a basket case while I do something that I don't even know why I'm doing it in the first place. Yeah. So it's communication and it's lists and it's boundaries and supporting each other's boundaries. I don't, it's Yeah. It's a lot. It's, it's so a lot. And it's just like this fluid disaster of chaos, which is lovely. It is lovely. But I do oh, find that it's... Don't avoid it. That's the thing. I think yeah. that's the thing that frustrates me and other women is when your, your partner knows you're stressed and they don't want you to be stressed. So they just avoid you and avoid the problem and avoid trying <laughs> to find solutions because they just like don't want you more stressed out. They don't really want to deal with it. I'm not saying you do this, but. Oh, no, don't worry. It's okay. I'm going to edit this part out so that it's not shared. (laughs) And meanwhile, it's getting worse because you're like, my partner doesn't even care that I'm melting down. My partner doesn't care that we've had McDonald's seven nights in a row. What They don't care. And so it feels like emotionally they don't care about me when really that's not what it is, but it can feel like that. So it's almost like intentionally like going into the war zone mm-hmm. of the war. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like clenching my teeth oh, right now. Worst. Can you see my jaw? When you avoid the war zone. It <laughs> brings more forks out. Like it just makes us more mad. <laughs> like just help me solve the problem. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. And it's, it, I'll be honest, it is, it is nice to hear it from somebody other than your partner. Cause I think it's a really, 
helpful way to kind of be brought back into some of those things that you can maybe approach without prompting and then you don't quite feel like you're conceding and saying you're right 15 times a day because then I can just be like yeah you know secretly that makes sense and secretly I'm I may be guilty of a few of the things that you might be suggesting right now. And I'm sure there are tactful ways for me to approach taking those on now without saying, um, you know, maybe, maybe I was wrong. Um, Make it your idea. Yeah, I feel like I've had so many great ideas in this conversation yeah. we're having that I'm like, it's profound. Like, I feel like I feel like I'm on to something completely just earth shattering here. And I can't wait to um, put that all into action. Thank you. Because my I feel like my honeydew list just got 20 times longer sitting here. And that's yeah, yeah, I, I'm grateful for you. I appreciate you. I love making your list larger. <laughs> I feel like we could do this for hours. Um, and you know what? I'm sure I'll bug you again because I I, I think there's a certain uh, dynamic here to be pulled apart in terms of, of approaching these the way we're approaching this right now. And I do appreciate it a lot. Yes, I feel... I mean, I'm not, we can make it a regular thing. I feel like we might or have like, to. Let's do the devil's advocate thing. Yeah. Where you say what all the partners are thinking when they I really want to say to you, like what we yeah. actually yeah. want to say when our right. wife sends us the video right. that is like the town fair. And they're like, I've been home for 10 hours with your kids. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, 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 you have. Yeah. And you can talk to the pressures you feel and we can just pull it right apart. I feel like there's a thing here. And then people could send those videos or podcasts or whatever they are to their partners and we could start oh. slash arguments and I think we're in trouble. I think we're going to have to pull our people into this so that neither of us schedules this for ourselves. But I feel like we're on to something here. No more. We're not allowed to schedule our things anymore. No, no. Other people to do that. Okay, deal. And I'll have my, I'll fix this. Okay, you're going to have to. Okay. Oh, no, it, like it totally just went that way again. And now, and now, oh, wow. Wow. It didn't now fall. we have to find out who in your house is holding the card that says. But it didn't fall. Now we need to like find out who in your house is holding the card that says putting the painting back on the wall. Well, the the nail I put there is still there, so I'll put it up there. The thing is, my <laughs> husband carries the card if he wants it measured. But if we're just going to eyeball it, then I, I can oh, do Oh, wow. I have a feeling that you and my wife would get along very well. I yeah. come back and there's like 15 yeah. different holes in the wall. Yeah. Well, and it's like, bored, that's the one I settled on. Like, let's just hang pictures. Her and I, we'll and hang now, out. And we'll now hang. I have to fill all the holes that you just made in the wall. Listen, I'm going to come to your house. Yeah. Her and I can hang out all day. We'll she will with, have to clean before you come. With the kids. I'll mess it. I'll tell her she's not allowed to clean. And then when you come home, you can take the kid and her and I will just, we'll leave. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Or, I, I love this idea. I love this. Can leave and I'll watch. No. I don't know. I don't <laughs> no, peace out. <laughs> amazing. You know what? We will do this again soon. It has been amazing talking with you. I appreciate you sincerely. And uh, I, I look forward to my four-year-old autographed copy of your journal um, and, and hearing how the experience of this has played out for you. I think the vulnerability side of you is great, but you should definitely be excited about it because you you might have an inclination on how to express what it is to be in certain situations in a way that could potentially be useful for somebody else to hear. Maybe. I like that. I like the word of that. And when I send you a copy, I will also send you a copy of Fair Play Life. The cards. The, the cards. cards. The cards. I'll send you the cards and I'll send you the autographed copy and... And then you can talk about your feelings with your wife and it'll be okay. Uh, and it, it's going to be fine. And then she is going to listen to this and it's fine. Thank and you then so she's much. Gonna, and then you're going to send it back to me. That's the most patronizing part. She's going to like get a sound clip out of this and send that to me when I'm failing miserably. That's the worst. That's I'm like, you, 
um, send me some what you want to say. I'll make a video. You can send her Done. a video of me saying what you want to say. Done. I love it. I'm in. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining me today. And we'll do this again soon. You take care. Thanks, Kendra. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for hanging out with us on another episode of Speakeasy, where we believe conversations are meant to be had out loud. Share this episode to help others find our show. And don't forget to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. You can also join me at kfisher30 on Instagram as I travel across Canada and the U.S. tackling the current mental health crisis with colleges and universities. 